Sound good? Okay. Let's go to the Gospel of Mark in chapter number 5. The Gospel of Mark in chapter number 5. <clears throat> Brother, you said you're going to get your license in two weeks on... Uh, a week from Tuesday. Oh, I'll be way away in America, safe and sound away from you when you're driving there. <laughs> Praise the Lord for that. <clears throat> Had a good day in Arklow yesterday with, uh, with our friends Oriel, uh, Pastor Son there, and uh, Chris Stahl. And he's working with the Arklow Baptist Church and all of our friends, Willie, uh, and uh, enjoyed the time with him. What an encouragement he is, isn't he? Yeah, he's such a blessing. Uh, enjoyed the time with him, and uh, he spent the day uh, uh, visiting with some with with his brother. And uh, he went with uh, past, uh, uh, Peter Dempsey, who would be the not he would be the ex mayor. He's not the mayor anymore of Arklow. And then uh, Oriel and I and uh, Mr. Dempsey and Willie all got to have tea together afterwards. And uh, it may not be a big deal to you, but that's a big deal to me. Uh, we prayed. We prayed for Peter Dempsey back home that he'd be saved, and uh, we know that God is using Willie in Peter's heart, and Peter needs to be saved. Uh, but you can pray. Pray for Peter Dempsey that he be saved, and that uh, uh, he really wants to see Willie do some things in Arklow to impact that town. And really need to pray for Willie and encourage him to follow God's will for his life, and, and it'd be a blessing. You got Mark five in front of you, do you? Okay, good. We're just going to read the first 20 verses, that's all, just 20 of them, okay? And uh, I'm going to share my testimony with you. I, I was planning on doing this anyway. I know I've already shared it a few times. Most of you heard most of my testimony, but um, my testimony is pictured very well in this passage, and I love giving my testimony out of this passage um, because it's not just my testimony. Really, a lot of us can relate to this passage if we look at it. Uh, forgive me, I have gotten a bit of a cold, and I'm sucking on a halls here so I don't cough. I don't want to cough, okay? So uh, I apologize about that. But you follow along. We'll read together. We'll read the first 20 verses, if that'd be all right. It says, And they came, o- uh, they came over unto the other side of the sea, unto the country of the Gadarenes. And when there was come out of the ship immediately, and when he was come out of the ship, immediately there met him out of the tombs a man with an unclean spirit, who had his dwelling among the tombs, and no man could bind him, no, not with chains. Because that he had been often bound with fetters and chains, and the chains had been plucked asunder by him, and the fetters broken into pieces, neither could any man tame him. And always, night and day, he was in the mountains and in the tombs crying and cutting himself with stones. But when he saw Jesus afar off, he ran and worshipped him, and cried with a loud voice and said, What have I to do with thee, Jesus, thou son of the most high God? I adjure thee by God that thou torment me not. For he said unto him, Come out of the man, thou unclean spirit. And he asked him, What is thy name? And he answered, saying, My name is Legion, for we are many. And he besought him much, that he would not send him away out of the country. Now there was nigh unto the mountains a great herd of swine feeding, and all the devils besought him, saying, Send us into the swine, that we may enter into them. And forthwith Jesus gave them leave, and the unclean spirits went out, and entered into the swine and the herd ran violently down a steep place into the sea. And there were about 2,000, and they were choked in the sea. And they that fed the swine and told, uh, and told it in the city and in the country, and they went out to see what it was that was done. And they came to Jesus to see him that was possessed with a devil, 
and had a legion sitting and clothed and in his right mind, and they were afraid. And they saw it and told them how it befell him that was possessed with the devil and also concerning the swine. And they began to pray him to depart out of their coasts. And when he was coming to the ship, he that was possessed with the devil prayed him that he might be with him. Howbeit Jesus suffered him not, but saith unto him, Go to thy friends and tell them how great things the Lord hath done for thee and hath compassion upon thee. And he departed and began to publish in Decapolis how great things Jesus had done for him. And all man, all men did marvel. This is a wonderful passage of scripture. Um, I'm going to give you my testimony kind of in short here this morning. We're going to work through some of these different things. I'm going to give you three things about this passage that will be of a help. And it may not be of a help until we get to the end for some of you. Um, but uh, I enjoy the whole passage. Why don't we pray real quick and, uh, and then we'll get to it here. Lord, thank you for the opportunity to gather together this morning. And uh, we look forward to your hand, not only in our Bible study time here, but also in the morning service. Thank you for the day set aside to honor mothers. We pray for our mothers today. Lord, we thank you for them, first and foremost. Uh, but also thank you for, their, uh, for the heart and the strength that you've given to many of them. And especially many of us have been quite the rascals in our lives. Uh, but Lord, you've helped them to be an encouragement to us and lead us and guide us. And I pray that you bless mothers today in a very special way. So, Lord, thank you for the opportunity this morning. Blessed we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. I want you to first notice as we consider this passage here this morning, the description, the description here of the man. Really what we're going to talk about this morning is the maniac of Gadara. We're going to talk about the man himself. And if you'll notice first this morning the description of the man, he was number, number one, he was beyond human help. He was beyond human help. Look at verses 3 and 4, if you would, with me. It says, uh, this man who had his dwellings among the tombs. Okay, no man could bind him, no, not with chains, because he had often been bound with fetters and chains, and the chains had been plucked asunder by him, and the fetters broken into pieces, and neither could any man tame him. He was beyond human help. In fact, you could say it like this. Um, the fact that no man could bind him, not with chains or fetters, and fetters are those clasps that they put around your wrists or around your feet, um, no man could, nothing that they put on him could help him. And, uh, you know, I've been doing a little research and been uh, considering here uh, um, our, our friends here in Ireland and the different things. And, uh, you know, all over the world there are problems. And oftentimes what we try to do with our problems is we try to solve them humanly. Did you know that? And uh, the reality is, is that the, most of the problems that we have, whether we're here in Ireland, whether we're in Cambodia, or whether we're in the United States of America, you know, most of the time the problem isn't a physical problem, it's a spiritual problem. And you know, when it becomes a spiritual problem, humanity can't solve spiritual problems. We'll try to solve spiritual problems with human things, those chains and those fetters, but it won't work such as we have here. This man's problem wasn't a physical problem. It was a spiritual problem. And that's why the chains and the fetters, no man could bind them. No man could fix his problem. You know, uh, um, in America, America consists of 4.6% of the world's population. That's a pretty small percentage, don't you think? But did you know in America that 80% uh, that, uh, that Americans consume 80% of the world's opiates? 80% of it. 
and that 99% of the world's uh, um, um, hydrocodone is consumed in America. This is a bad deal. See, because what, what is happening is, is that in America, the problem isn't physical, it's spiritual. And what is happening is we're having people who are trying to solve spiritual problems with physical means. And nothing's working. No chains, no fetters, nothing's working. I remember growing up, uh, uh, my parents were divorced when I was little. And uh, um, I began to be a very bitter young man. And uh, my questions of, you know, where did, where's dad go? When is he coming home? Those questions in my life began to turn to um, bitterness and anger. And um, I remember other kids in my, in my uh, uh, age bracket, their parents were getting divorced just the same. Dads were leaving, moms were leaving, and uh, young people were being left with uh, really just a, a tragedy of a home situation. Um, what would happen is... Um, we were being sent to the, uh, you know, the guidance counselors and the, the psychologists, and we were sent for counseling and all those things. And I remember the, 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 you know, what everybody was getting tagged with was ADHD. You, get, you're, you got ADHD. So what they were doing is then they started pumping um, all us kids in our generation full of these medications to solve this problem, ADHD. When the reality was, is the problem wasn't, wasn't that we had ADHD. We were hurting young people, and uh, we needed real help. And medication couldn't fix us. No program you can put a young person on can fix them. Um, because when their problem, and when they're hurting on the inside, when their problem isn't physical, when it's spiritual, they need spiritual help. They don't need physical help. Chemicals don't fix spiritual problems. And that's what we see here. It, this is an amazing passage. Look here, it says that, um, he had been often bound with fetters and chains, and the chains had been plucked asunder by him, and the fetters broken into pieces, neither could any man tame him. It says that he had his dwelling among the tombs in verse 3. Isn't it funny? His parents couldn't help him. He wasn't living at home. The doctors couldn't help him. He wasn't at the, uh, um, he wasn't at the, uh, 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 the hospital. You know, the school couldn't help him. And, and I'm surely they tried because it says that they put fetters and chains on him. But none of them could tame him. And I don't know uh, what it's like here in Ireland, but, you know, in America, the reality is, is that the schools are trying to fix things and the homes are trying to fix things and, 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 and uh, um, the, the hospitals are trying to fix things. But again, they're using human means. But even in using human means, they're realizing they can't fix the problem. So you know what they do with the problem? They get rid of it. Isn't it funny? He has his dwelling out in the country. Out of sight. Out of mind. Just get it out of here. I can't help you. Get out of my life. Rejection. Isn't it a terrible thing? It's the last thing somebody who, who really, really needs help. It's the last thing they need. Is to be rejected by family, by friends, by those who are supposed to be able to help them. But yet, that's what we see happening here. I was a young man. Again, I grew up in a, and not a, it wasn't a bad home. I mean, my mom did the best she could, raising five kids by herself. 
But at the age of 13, I, I, started, I started drinking whiskey, I started smoking cigarettes, I started doing all kinds of things that young people shouldn't do because I was a hurting young man. Nobody could help me. And I began to be rejected. My school rejected me because I was just acting out and lashing out. They, they pushed me through the school system just to get me out. Uh, when I turned 17, my mom said it was time for me to leave the home. She pushed me out. Ah, there were times my friends didn't even want to hang out with me because I was so wild. I wonder in your heart and your mind, are you thinking of somebody right now, maybe even of yourself? That's like this. Not only was he a man that was beyond human help, but he was a hurting man. Look at verse 5 if you would. And always, night and day, he was in the mountains and in the tombs, crying and cutting himself with stones. Can I tell you that somebody who is, who, who is in need of real spiritual help, somebody who is really, literally dying on the inside, they have no peace. Ever. No matter whether it's night or whether it's day, they're crying. They're crying. They're hurting on the inside. And they're just looking for some help. I can sit here and I can tell you about what it was like in, in, in my heart when I was growing up. I can tell you what it was like to have to cry myself to sleep. I can tell you what it was like to have to walk around day after day. When's dad coming home? When's this life going to change? When am I going to find some help? And I had no peace. Night and day, night and day. Night and day, turmoil, unrest, hurt, pain, all of it. And you know what I turn to? Tattoos, piercings. Uh, I'd turn to burn. I'd burn myself. I began to cut my arms. Night and day. Night and day. Night and day. Cutting hurting, wanting release, but being rejected and finding no place of help. What a tragic scenario, isn't it? But you know there's people like that all over this community, all over the place. Some of you may even know some people. Some of you may even be some of those people. But your problem isn't physical. And their problem isn't physical. Their problem is spiritual. I want you to see one more thing as we describe the maniac of Gadara. I want you to see one more thing. If you're just joining us, we're in Mark chapter 5. Mark chapter 5 in your Bibles. Look at verse number 6. It says here that when he saw Jesus afar off. I want to give you the last description Last piece of description, we see that he was a man beyond human help. He was a hurting man, but he also was a searching man. It says that when he was in the tombs there, always night and day, he was, he was hurting, he was crying, he was cutting himself, but he was a man searching. It's noticed that he saw Jesus afar off. 
In fact, if you go back up into verse number 2, you'll also notice there that it says that when he, that's Jesus and the disciples, and they came out of the ship, immediately there met him a man out of the tombs. It, you almost get the impression that this man was watching the docks. You know why, you know why you'd be watching the docks? Because that's where all the new stuff was coming in. That's where all the commerce was coming in. That's where the new thing was coming in. And it was almost like he was looking for something that would fix his problem. And notice, when he saw Jesus, he immediately came running to him. There's something special about Jesus when you see him, isn't there? It's almost like when you see Jesus, you see something something more than human. Something different than all the other programs, philosophies, the human chains and fetters. You see something wonderful. I did some research on Ireland, even just here this morning. Did you know uh, in, uh, in Europe, drug deaths are a big deal? Um, Norway is number one for drug-related deaths. Estonia is number two. Ireland is number three. That in all of Europe, Ireland has the third highest drug death rate. Wow. But you even want to know what's even, I thought was even uh, uh, more throwing for me, is that uh, Ireland's pretty small, you know. There's, there's states back in the United States that are bigger than, than Ireland. But in all of Europe, there is more heroin used in this little country than anywhere else in all of Europe. You know what that tells me? There's a lot of people out there that are hurting, that are being rejected, and they're turning to something to solve their problems and fix their pains. And instead of finding help, a lot of these people are finding more pain and more hurt and most likely death. Let's move on, if we could. I want to keep going, because when we get to the end of this, this will be of a lot of help to some people. Number two, I want you to see the deliverance of Jesus. Go with me down to verse 15. I have a cough drop in my mouth. I'm sorry. I'm trying not to cough this morning. <clears throat> it says that, uh, in verse 15, it says, and, and they came to Jesus, okay, and they came to Jesus and see him that was possessed with the devil and a legion sitting and clothed and in his right mind, and they were afraid. See, what happened here in the story, and we're, we're just kind of skipping down, uh, but what happened is this, is this man that was hurting, he, he, he was looking, he was searching. This man that was always in the tombs, night and day, cutting himself. This, uh, if we could say it like this, it was this man that was constantly turning to drugs and these addictions. He was constantly turning to these things in life to help push down and suppress the pains and the, and the, and the rejection that he was going through and these spiritual problems that he was dealing with. He, was, he, he saw Jesus. And when he saw Jesus, he ran to him. And he saw Jesus as the one who could fix his problems. And in verse 15, we find this man born again, if we could say it that way, delivered. He's saved. It says that, that Jesus literally took the demons out of him. And now we see him here. 
Because it says they came, uh, they come to Jesus. And these are the people from the city that are coming to see what is happening up here in the mountains. And they see him that was possessed with the devil and had a legion sitting and clothed and in his right mind. And they were afraid. They saw this man who them, whom they rejected and the, and the drug addict. And, and they seen his life. And it's just like, is this really the same guy? This is amazing. It was March 24th, 2006. I, I had spent my whole life rejecting my family. And, and they had spent much time just trying to keep me out of the house, pushing me away, keeping me at arm's length, if we could say it that way. And, and my sister, I, I'll never forget the day because she, she opened up the Bible. It was, she called me on the phone and I was two days without my Oxycontins. We like to call it my hillbilly heroin. And uh, uh, she called me on the phone and she said, Matt, Jesus has had you on my heart. I've been praying for you all week. What's going on? I said, you don't want to hear what's going on in my life. It, it would hurt your conscience. It'd make you blush. She said, no, tell me. So I began to tell her and I spared her no details. And in the midst of that, she says, stop, Matt. She says, your problem is not drugs and alcohol. Your problem is that you're a sinner and you need a savior. And see, in my mind, I thought, no, if I could just get rid of these addictions, if I could just get back to normal living, if I could, if I could just have the things back the way that I want them. And she, she's helping me to see. She's saying, no, Matt, your problem isn't physical. Your problem is spiritual. And until you solve your spiritual problem, your physical problems will never go away. And on that day, she opened up her Bible. Again, it was on the phone, but I could hear her flipping through the pages. And she goes to Romans, and she begins to tell, tell me all about the gospel and about how Jesus died on the cross for my sin. And that if I just put my faith and trust in him to wash away my sin, that he would, he would save me and make me a new creature. Amen? A new creature. What a glorious thought, isn't it? Somebody who spent their whole life chasing that thought, that idea, wanting it but not knowing how to get it. And here I am on the phone with my sister. And she's telling me this is it. Because your problem isn't drugs and alcohol. Your problem is your relationship with Jesus Christ. I thought this is what I want, but I just, I'm not ready for the change. I can't live the life. I I can't do it like that. I just don't know if I'm ready for this. I still got all these things in my life I've got to clean up. I've got to get rid of the drugs first before I can talk to Jesus. I've got to get rid of the smoking. I've got to get rid of the drinking. I've got to, you know, get some new friends before I can talk to Jesus. And she says, no, Matt, you're wrong. If you just come to him just the way you are, just the way you are, that's all he wants you to do. And honestly, on that day, I felt like nothing. Like the psalmist said, like a worm. Worthless. Without help and without hope, a rejected man from the tombs. With the scars of pain all over my body. After a little bit more conversation, I hung up the phone with my sister and I got down on my knees and I asked Jesus to wash away my sins. And you know what he did? He washed them all away. All of them. Every single one. 
And then for the first time in my life, I could smile. I could smile. Do you know it's an exciting thing to be a Christian? It's a shameful thing that Christians walk around ho-hum, woe is me. Hey, you're on your way to heaven. You're on your way to heaven. When you die, you're on your way to heaven. Is it real? Isn't that an exciting thing? I just, it throws me sometimes that people sit around, oh, look, uh, it's self-focus, oh, my life, and this and that. I used to hang around a friend of mine, and he says, you know, Matt, I don't get it. He says, it's the most wonderful thing in the world. It's almost like it's not even real. He's like, could you pinch me? Pinch me. Is this real? I'm going to heaven when I die. I'm going to heaven when I die. Is it real to you today? You know, there was nothing more real to that, that man that day than Jesus. It says that when they came, the people from the city, they wanted to see what was happening. And they saw the man that was possessed with the devil and had a legion sitting and clothed and in his right mind. I'll tell you, on that day, March 24, 2006, if you'd have seen me in my room that day, you'd have seen a smile on my face a mile wide, and I'd have been sitting clothed and in my right mind. You know, there were some things about the deliverance of Jesus that were wonderful. He First off, he delivered me from the power of Satan. Isn't that the gospel message? In Acts 26, the apostle Paul, he tells, uh, tells King Agrippa of his testimony, and he said that Jesus charged him, charged him that he was, go, he was to go and he was to, he was to tell the, the gospel to the Gentiles, delivering them from the power of Satan. Delivering them from the power of Satan. Have you been delivered from the power of Satan? If you're a Christian here today, it's true for you. Even if your life experience isn't telling you that. Even if this morning, if it seemed like Satan was all over you. You've been delivered. You have. And, and we see this man, he was delivered from the power of Satan. Satan. On that day. But not only that, it says he was sitting clothed and in his right mind. These are tremendous, powerful words. You know, before, he wasn't sitting. He was an anxious man, wasn't he? Constantly running about, looking for an answer, having things to do, can't sit still. But now he's got peace. And he can sit. Now, he wasn't sitting in the seat of the scornful. He was sitting now at the feet of Jesus, the place of peace. You know, it's funny, whenever you see people in the presence of Jesus, they're rarely running, they're rarely fretting, they're very rarely worried. They're normally at peace and sitting. Not only that, but this man was now clothed. He was now made visibly presentable. You know, uh, uh, I don't want to get into the whole topic of dress here this morning, but there is a reality that when this man, uh, when he was in the tombs, he was an immodest man. And that when Jesus stepped into his life and he saw Jesus for who he was, there was a reality that he needed to put on clothing and become presentable. But not only that, we see that here that he was in his right mind, under the right influence Whereas before he was under the influence of, of Satan, 
He was under the influence of self. Now he's under, under the influence of Jesus Christ. These are all very important things and wonderful things. I remember on that day, not only did I ask Jesus to wash away my sin, but I was down on my knees asking Jesus to wash away my sin and, and crying and, and, and smiling and enjoying the reality of being saved and having my sin washed away. And I asked Jesus this. I said, Jesus, if you can wash away my sin, if you can take me to heaven, I believe you can take away all my addictions. And if you'll do it, I'll give you the rest of my life. Because all of a sudden it was like I was in my right mind. And it just made sense. If Jesus can wash away my sins and he can take me to heaven, then what is it for him to take away all my addictions? I mean, what is it for him to do that? Couldn't he? And on that day, it wasn't just I, I, I made a deal with Jesus. I gave Jesus the rest of my life. I said, I figured, I'm the one making out here. <laughs> He's getting a beat-up old drug addict. What's he going to do with me? I'm making out here. If he takes away my addictions... He's getting my addictions. I'm getting life. Woo! That's exciting, isn't it? Within a year and a half, I was in Bible school. Bible school took five years, and by the end of that, I was married with a child. I've been all around the United States sharing this testimony with people. I've been to Cambodia, Ireland. I'm pastoring a little church in America right now. sitting, clothed, and in my right mind. What can he do with you? What can he do with you? Where is he going to lead you? Look at the last thought here, if we could, because this will be, be the best part. This, I trust it will be an encouragement to all of you. Look here in verse, um, let's go to verse 18. And when he was coming to the ship, here's Jesus, he, had, uh, uh, he, had been, he that had been possessed with the devil prayed him that he might be with him. This is, the, this is the, the, the man with the legion. He sees Jesus. Jesus is getting in the boat. He's getting ready to leave. And here comes the man uh, that had the legion, and he's coming to Jesus he, and prayed him. There's asked him, talked to him about it. I said, hey, can I come with you? Wherever you're going, I'm coming with. I've got nothing. <laughs> I've got nothing here. Where are we going? Everybody in the city rejected me. I've got nothing. Where are we going? What are we going to do? This is exciting. Everything is all new. What are we going to do? And look at verse 19. Howbeit Jesus suffered him not, but said unto him, Go home to thy friends and tell them how great things the Lord hath done for thee and had compassion on thee. And he departed, departed and began to publish in Decapolis how great things Jesus had done for him. And all men did marvel. I want you to see, third, the discretion of the man. The discretion of the man, his, 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 his uh, right mind kicking into gear. Okay, if we could just say it that way. He was willing to leave everything to follow Jesus. See, there was nothing left for him behind him. But everything was in front of him. And he saw Jesus and he said, Jesus, wherever, you go, wherever you're going, I'm coming with I'm jumping in the boat. I've got nothing here. I'm going to leave it all. I'm, I'm going to let it all go. Isn't that the scriptures? Isn't it say he that tries to, to, tries to hang on to this life, he that he see, he's going after this life, he wants to hold on to this life, he's going to lose it. 
But those that seek after Jesus and hold on to Jesus and aren't looking for anything in this life, they're willing to let go of all that junk. You'll gain life. You know, the the problem here with most of us and even some of us Christians who maybe don't have a testimony quite like this, we spend more time trying to cling on to the things in this life, hang on to these things. When, When most of us will be better off looking at the example of this man and saying, you know what? There's nothing for me back there, but everything for me this way, the way that Jesus leads. I love the way that Jesus responds to him because this is so helpful to me, and really I hope it's helpful for you. I want you to see that he willingly listened to the voice and instruction of Jesus. Listen to Jesus' instruction in verse 19. It says that Jesus suffered him not. He says, you can't come with me. But I want you to go home to thy friends and tell them how great things the Lord hath done for thee and had compassion on thee. Here's Jesus' instruction. You can't come with me. But I want you to go right back to where you came from. To all those people that rejected you. The people who were strapping the fetters and the chains on you. I want you to go back to them. And when you get there, tell them what happened. You'll notice something here, maybe just a little side note. He's got a new master. Whatever you want, Jesus, I'm going to do it. Whatever you want, I'm going to do it. Jesus says, okay. Step number one, go home. You know, there's a wonderful reality to the power of a personal testimony, isn't there? And maybe that's why the Lord has had me have this opportunity here this morning and Friday night and with the fellows at the men's home. Because reality is there's something, there's something that people can't argue with when you tell them about what Jesus did for you. You know, the world can out there, they can argue, and we've talked about this a lot, me and some of the men and some of the conversations I've had, they can argue about, you know, hey, is that really the word of God? Which translation? Right? You've heard it, haven't you? Well, that's what you believe the Bible says. But when you stand up and you tell them how, what Jesus has done for you and how he's had compassion on you, you know what they'll say? Nothing. Because you can't argue with it. Because you're living proof that it's real. Hey, you want the joy of your salvation again, church? Then I don't care who you are. You got a good testimony. Jesus saved you. You're a miracle, don't you know? Go stand down downtown Tublin near the spire. Stand up on a little soapbox and tell, tell them what Jesus did for you. Everybody would benefit from that. Every one of you. You want victory in your life. You want to see Jesus use you. Go home and tell him. Go home and tell him. I went around, told all my friends, I opened up the Bible. You're never going to believe what Jesus did for me. Who's this guy? Yeah, it's me. Weber, is that you? You look different. Yeah. Yeah, I do. I don't look like the guy I used to. I don't listen to that heavy metal headbanger music anymore. And I'm not doing the drugs. You look like you put on a few pounds, Weber. Yeah, I did. <laughs> That's what happens when you hang around with the Baptists. They feed you, you know. This man had a powerful testimony. 
I've got a powerful testimony. So do you. Every one of you. Every one of you. And it doesn't matter if you grew up in a Christian home. I heard young fellows say, Yeah, I never got into that stuff, Pastor. I I never did those things. I, I don't have the drug background that you do. And I'm telling you, what a greater miracle that Jesus kept you from all that stuff. Stand up and tell someone. Hey, you don't have to get into those things. You don't have to be a part of that thing. Jesus can save you and deliver you from that kind of life. And he can do it. I know he can. I'm proof. What a wonderful, what it's a better testimony than the one I've got. Obedience is an amazing thing, isn't it? Look at verse 20. And this man obeyed the Lord, and he began to publish in Decapolis how great things Jesus had done for him. And all men did marvel. People listened. I was absolutely amazed yesterday uh, as we were going around Arklo the power and the testimony that Willie has. The ex-mayor wants him to go into the public schools. He's walking around talking to people. They're listening to him. People want him in, his, in their life. It's because he's public about what God's doing in his life. There's a very real reality to what's happening in his life. You know, the reason why most of us don't have the kind of impact that Jesus wants us to have is because we're ashamed of our Savior. If we would just stand up at work and say something to our workmate about the problems they're having and, and just tell them Jesus can deliver you. It's not a physical problem. Hey, drinking and the psychiatrist and the drugs, they're not going to fix the problem. Running out on your family's not going to fix the problem. Jesus is going to fix the problem. Luke chapter 8 and verse 39, this is the, uh, Luke's account of the same story. He says, and, and, and Jesus said, Return to thine own house and show how great things God hath done unto thee. And he went his way and published throughout the whole city how great things Jesus had done for him. Verse 40, it says, And he came to pass that when Jesus was returned, so he came back to Decapolis, the people gladly received him. For they were all waiting for him. This is amazing, church. Did you know that Jesus is still alive? Would the people in your sphere of influence know that? Do you know there's people that all of you are going to meet and greet and know and have interaction with that I never will? Your friends and your family. I'll never know them. I'll never be able to talk to them. But you can. And your, your testimony, your personal testimony, has a lot to do with that. You know, these people, either they know Jesus Christ is alive or they don't. And they know it because of you. What kind of story are you telling? How great things Jesus has done for you? Or has Satan stopped your lips? What a powerful thing, isn't it? A personal testimony. I trust today that you're encouraged just a bit. Would you be encouraged just a bit? That Jesus can even use you. You. And all you need is to tell people your personal testimony. Pretty simple, isn't it? It prepares the heart to receive Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for the opportunity to gather together with my friends. And I pray that you'd bless, uh, Lord, not just the preaching, but the hearing of the word today. And Lord, the testimony of the maniac of Gadara. And Lord, he was a man, uh, 
that was in a bad way, but Lord, you delivered him, you changed his life, and you gave him a testimony that nobody could ignore. And uh, Lord, you've done that for all of us. We're all walking miracles here today. And I pray you'd encourage our hearts about the reality of it. Uh, bless us, Lord, as we go into the rest of the day. We're looking for your voice and your hand guiding us and leading us. We'll thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.